Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad that you joined me today. So we are doing this series about dating and relationships. And obviously, relationships, it's my favorite topic. So we're going to talk today about this whole concept of why God even wants us in relationship. I mean, what, what is the big deal about this? And if you look at, just look at what Christmas means, and this is not obviously a Christmas show, but what could be more relational than Christmas? I mean, it's a, it's a gift. This baby is born, a family is made in a very strange way. And both situations are overshadowed with controversy. So what we see in this birth and the family that occurs as a result is the single most important event which has ever happened in the history of our world. And this being the birth and the life of one man in his relationship to humans, God's relationship to humans. So he showed his creation the single most important thing to him and something more important than justice, truth, etc., all this. It was his relationship to his creation. So what does this mean? Well, we've talked before about this uh, foundational truth, this fundamental truth that relationships are unavoidable. That we can have positive or negative relationships, but it's, us to, it's up to us to determine whether or not to put the effort into creating a positive relationship dynamic with any, any given individual. You see, unhealthy and unsuccessful relationships can be avoided, but not without some effort, just like it takes effort to create a positive relationship. Because I can only do my side of the relationship. I can't do both sides. And so when relationships aren't working well, we are hurt. We tend to want to shut down and we want to be done with relationships altogether. But since we know that relationships are unavoidable, what we are really saying is that we wish to avoid intimacy. See, what's the difference between relating and intimacy? So the second foundational truth is that there is a basic human need to know someone and to be known by someone. That is intimacy. It's to be known and to know someone. And there are levels within intimacy, of course. And the deepest hurts happen when someone who we thought knew us turns out to not have known us at all. And, and or we make the mistake of relating with intimacy or having to deal with and manage the fact that someone maybe doesn't want to know me. There are some reasons people avoid intimacy. And so when you think about what this word relate means versus intimacy, well, relate means to connect as in thought or meaning, to have some connection or relation to. So this general definition can mean anything from relating to the waitress at the coffee shop to what should be my most intimate relationship and relating to my most significant other or spouse. 
So what you want to realize is that it, relationships are unavoidable by humans. We are just, it, it's like breathing. So we have relationships with all kinds of things. We have relationships with inanimate objects. I have a relationship with my car, for heaven's sakes. We have relationship with our pets, even though there's not a great amount of intimacy, even though some of us might like to think there is. We have relationships with, with other drivers, even if we don't know them, the way that we're driving with the people next to us. So it's the intimacy factor. This is what is most private or personal. This is very close or familiar. It's deep, thorough. See, these are vastly different experiences. So the most meaningful and healing relationships must have intimacy. So we can have many relationships on a multitude of levels, but we don't necessarily have intimacy. This is where loneliness occurs, is that I'm, I know a lot of people, but I don't know those people. Or a lot of people know me, but they don't really know me. So what I want you to think about, in my practice, I work at dispelling myths that people create for themselves. And one of those myths is saying, I'm done with relationships. I'm not going to do them in the future. I've had it. No more relationship for me. See, this is not a choice whether or not to have a relationship. The choice is whether or not to have positive, intimate relationships with others. And so if you don't put the work into it and take the risk of developing positive, intimate relationships, you will be left with negative relationships, void of intimacy. So here's what we want to think about. Will I choose to relate positively with intimacy, or will I attempt to avoid relating only to get negative relationships void of intimacy. And when we're looking at adult intimacy, this is what I want you to consider and think about. We have this tendency when we're dating to look for people that are like us, which there's nothing wrong with that. We all like to be like people. It's this wonderful feeling when we have similarity. And you hear that person, they just started dating and they say, oh my gosh, they're just like me. They think like me. We like the same thing. All these little quirky things that, that you seem similar about and so what I want you to think about is similarity and sameness is, is, is a piece of intimacy. But when it comes to the complexity of adults, it can't stay there. That can't be the only thing. Because similarity is a very immature form of relating, if you think about it. If it's, it's a mature, immature form of intimacy. With little children, we have this, this process. They want to be just like their parents. They want to be completely connected when we have a, a children that are in foster care or adopted or blended families, they want to know what their family name is. What family am I in? Am I like? I want to be them. And so there's this tendency for us as humans to start there. And so we have little kids that want to talk like their dad, act like their dad, dress like their mother, um, and, and, and they mimic us. And what happens is as we grow up, as little kids, we become teenagers, and instead of doing that with our family, we now do it with our peers. So we're just like our peers. We talk like our peers, walk like them, act like them, have the same music, same food, same vernacular that we use. And so what we want as people grow up is that they look for similarities, and we want to have similarities because that helps to support intimacy. But we want to, to cross over to this deeper level of intimacy, which is the fact that I am known by someone and I know someone. So my most intimate relationships with adults are really about knowing them. I know what they're like. I know about them. I know how they think. I know what bothers them. I know the things that, that they struggle with. 
I know their little quirks or the intricacies of that person. We may not be alike in those areas, but I know them and they know me. And so it's a wonderful securing place for an adult to be known. This is what we do for tiny infants. We are learning that baby. If you've ever had a baby, you know that there are certain things that infants need. All infants need certain things. But as you get to know your baby and what they need and what they're like, that's the idea we do with adults. But we miss this, this piece of similarity many times. And so the importance here is that we work on that intimacy quotient. And the way that we do that also is in relationship with ourself. And we are going to talk about that next week, about relating with self and self-concept and where that comes from. So the avoidance of relationship ends up hurting far more than putting the work into positive relationships. And I want you to hear this when I say this. Relationship avoidance is at best a feeble attempt at self-protection. And I really get it. I've been hurt plenty of times in relationships. I've wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to say, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. I've had it. I don't want to try. I've been hurt too many times. It doesn't work. I get it. So all of us have been there. And so what we're going to really address today is why God is wanting us in relationship to begin with so that we can understand what the point of it is, so that we, be, we can begin to understand our process in this, what God is doing in us, and how we might better be able to have the intimacy that we are really, really wanting in those relationships. So think about this. First of all, remember, foundational truth, relationships are unavoidable. However, healthy relationships and unsuccessful relationships These unhealthy relationships and unsuccessful relationships, those can be avoided, but not without a lot of work. And the healthy relationships are possible and not without a lot of work. So we have in this this verse, Genesis, in Genesis uh, chapter 2.10, and we've talked about this in relationship um, episodes before. It says, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. So this is an important concept when we're talking about why God wants us in relationship. He's saying to us, it's not, he he already knew before Adam even had a relationship. He goes, oh, it's not good for him to be alone. This isn't good. And so he created someone in his likeness that is a good fit for him. Not necessarily like him in a lot of ways, but some similarities, but a good fit for him. And you have to remember that Adam was perfect when God stated this, as was his relationship with God. It was perfect. And God still said, it's not good for man to be alone. So it's easy to understand why it's so painful when our relationships are unsuccessful, because we're created as relational beings. It's an instinctual longing that's very natural and necessary for our emotional health. So when God introduced Adam to his first relationship, This is his first relationship outside of himself and God. Everything was perfect. So we can conclude that having successful relationships with yourself and with God is imperative for healthy relationships outside of yourself and with God. So I'm going to say that one more time. When God introduced Adam to Eve, his relationship with God was perfect. His relationship with himself was perfect because there was no sin. And God still said he needed a third relationship, and that would be a significant person outside of himself. 
And so this idea of successful relationships with yourself is imperative that we address that quotient, that we address the relationship with God. Then we address relationship with others. Now, that doesn't mean that having relationship with others doesn't help us learn how to connect and relate to ourselves, and doesn't encourage and help and support our relationship with God. It's kind of like a circular motion that we have going. So we want to understand that we need all three of those. We have th- trinities everywhere. So we have this relationship with me, with others, with God, and we want to protect those. And we want to really understand how to support them and cause them to be healthy. This is Cynthia Hyatt, Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue with connecting God's way and why God wants us in relationship. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia, and this is Cynthia Hyatt. I want you to remember to visit me at my, um, on my website, which is CynthiaHyatt.com, and again, that is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Also on my Facebook page, which is Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., and I-N-C stands for Incorporated. And on my Facebook page, there's lots of inspirational, motivational, devotional things. It also will let you know where I'm speaking or singing, and to let you know what uh, shows are coming up. If you have not heard all these shows, or you're just tuning in, if you go to my website, all those shows are on uh, are podcasted, and so you can listen to them right on on the website. So here we are talking about relationship, and that there is a point to why God wants us in relationship. And so we're talking about the foundational truth that relationships are unavoidable. We're just hardwired to do them. We will relate whether we have intimacy or not. So the distinction is between how successful and healthy the relationship is and the level of intimacy that is within it. So it's not whether or not I'm going to have a relationship. And we ended the last segment by saying this really important idea that I can choose to relate positively with intimacy or I can attempt to avoid relating only to get negative relationships. So the avoidance of relationship ends up hurting far more than putting the work into positive relationships because relationship avoidance at best is, is just this attempt at self-protection, which I really understand. I, I get self-protection. So what I tell clients oftentimes, friends, family, myself, is that if I'm wanting to avoid relationships because I'm hurt, then one of the best places to put effort into is my relationship with myself. See, the better my relationship is with myself, the better I manage how ineffective or unhealthy or hurtful relationships outside myself are. The better I connect with me, the better I manage the lack of intimacy or significance in others and in those relationships. The better my relationship is with myself, with God, the better I manage the dysfunction of other people. So, the difference between relating and intimacy. Well, we have relating is this understanding or knowledge. It, it's a connection. It, it can be positive or negative, and it, a relationship can be with or without agreement. So, I can be relating to the drivers on the road, other drivers, as to the way that they drive, whether we're in agreement about how we drive or not. Intimacy needs a, is a certain level of agreement. 
So when we look at this whole idea of relating, I mean, you can be related to your family of origin. You may not have intimacy with your mother, father, brothers, cousins, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews. So you can have that relationship that we are connected, but we don't necessarily have intimacy. And so what we talked about in the last segment is intimacy is this concept of being known by someone and knowing someone. And this is a deep, very deep human need. Humans need to be known. Humans need to be seen. One of the things that we talk about um, in a clinical setting is the concept of failure to thrive or not being seen. And the level of damage that does to a human being when they are not looked at, talked to, touched, held, validated, seen for who they are. When we don't have caregivers that are caring for that young child and looking at them and saying, oh, I see you. You look sad. You look happy. Uh, I enjoy you. I like you. That's an uncomfortable feeling you're having that's frustrating for you. You're really good at that. Those kinds of validating and feedback statements that cause that little human to feel valid, to feel seen, to feel known. And one of the things we see throughout the Bible is the most painful thing that any of the patriarchs, the fathers, the main characters in the Bible had is when they didn't feel like God saw them or they couldn't hear from God. They weren't known by God any longer. And that's the thing that was the most painful for Christ is when God turned his face from him. And he was alone and was not seen by his creator, by his father. So when we look at this idea of how we relate to ourselves, I want you to understand that the way I relate to me directly affects how I relate to other people. And I tell clients day in and day out, and and myself, I remind myself, if I don't do the internal work, the external won't work. So if I don't do the internal work, with relating with me, relating with God, I can be sure that I'm going to have a more problematic relationships outside of myself. So we all have to learn to relate to ourselves and others. And as we grow up, we learn from our parents and others how to relate. Hence, our tendency to have emotional baggage. And so our family dysfunction and childhood experiences determines the degree to which we need to learn new ways to relate. So depending on what I learned in my family of origin, because that's what we would say is your primary relational language or your original relational language. And so when you think about the concept of the I Love Lucy show, which is, I'm probably dating myself, but we have the I Love Lucy show and we have Ricky Ricardo, who is his native language is Spanish. And he had to learn English as his second language in order to be able to talk to Lucy. So we see when he gets stressed out or there's problems in his relationship with Lucy or whatever's going on, he, he flips back into Spanish. So this is imperative that we, when you're understanding how you relate to others and how you relate to yourself has a lot to do with your original relational language. How did you learn to relate growing up? And the way your family related to you directly affects how you relate to you. So we all learn to relate in healthy or unhealthy ways, in successful or unsuccessful ways. So a great definition of intimacy 
would be the joyful union that comes when two people learn together how to give love and how to accept love. So this is being known and knowing someone. This, this has everything to do with this union that has to do with I am known by you, I'm accepted and loved by you. It doesn't mean that everything I do is okay, but it means that you understand me and you know me, you support me and you are committed to me. And that, that deep intimacy, that connection creates in cr- tremendous resiliency in us as humans. So we're wanting to do that with ourselves. We're wanting to say, you know what? I have to be committed and loyal to myself regardless of what I do. I've got to be the one that sees me, knows me, cares about me so that I can then do that with other people. So what's the definition of dysfunctional love? Well, this is love out of balance. It's loving the other too much while loving the self too little or loving the self too little in a selfish manner and loving the other too little. So this is imperative as we're looking at how we relate to ourselves and how God wants to heal that. And a primary way that God heals the relationship with ourself is through relationship with him. So I'm always wanting to encourage you to press into that relationship with God, no matter how elusive it feels and how difficult sometimes it feels to relate to a God that you cannot see with your physical eye or feel with your body but he's very much there. He's still very present. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And join me when we come back and we're going to talk more about why God wants me in relationship with others. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and this show is called Conversations with Cynthia, and I want to encourage you before we start in this next segment to please visit me at my website, which is CynthiaHyatt.com, and it is spelled just like it sounds, C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, and also visit me on my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., and I-N-C is for Incorporated. I love it when you post on my Facebook page. You can also email me as well, and those are confidential. And if you miss any part of these shows, you can go right to my website, and they are under the media link with radio podcasts, and you can listen to them in its entirety. So we are talking about why God wants us in relationship. Why is that? And we know that he created man and then women, and he said it's not good for man to be alone. And at that point... um, God was in perfect relationship with Adam. There was no sin. And Adam was in perfect relationship with himself because he had not sinned either. So there was no disconnect. And God still said, not good for him to be alone. So we see that it's imperative for humans to be connected. We are made relationally. We can't help it. And so we see how far God would go for relationship. In John 3.16, where it says, God so loved the world. He so loved the world. That's everything. Every person that has ever been created and will be created, God so loved that he gave his only son. And his son so loved the world that he laid his life down. 
And what we see in Romans 5.8, which I love, it says that even in spite of us, it says that God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how much God wants relationship. And we are made in his image. We are going to have that same concept, that same dynamic going on inside of us. And so we see in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And so this is God's willingness to go to the end of himself for relationship. And so we see that's the prevailing theme throughout God's word, is that relationship takes work, it takes effort. And God's entire ministry is based on the intense effort he puts forth for us. And this is due to the fact that anything of value requires work and commitment. Anything of value requires effort. So any relational pleasure received without effort will result in no lasting strength or growth of the relationship. So when the, when the initial creation of that relationship is purely pleasure and there's no foundational uh, process or, or constructs to it, it is not going to last because relationships, people require effort. That's how we value them, is the effort we put into them. So in other words, the key to building any strength in any relationship requires the practice of activities, and that requires effort. So what we want to do is we want to practice healthy pleasure versus unhealthy pleasure. So pleasure in relationship is restorative. So many times, some of the things we do that are restorative to a relationship may not initially feel pleasurable, but they are substantial. And so what I want you to think about, when we are working on strengthening a relationship, number one, we want to first assign top priority to that relationship. You are God's number one priority. He assigns that level of value to you. And then when we're strengthening that relationship, we're going to cultivate intimacy. We're going to dare to talk about our love. God talks about his love for you all the time. It's written all through the Bible. He expresses his love. So when we are strengthening a relationship with ourselves, with others, and when we are cultivating that intimacy, we are talking about the love commitment that we feel for each other. And we learn gestures of loving kindness. And more than anything, we create an atmosphere of safety. One of the best ways to be a safe person is be safe with yourself. And it's important that you think about that. Are you safe with you? Because being a safe person for others, so that you can cultivate that intimacy, so that you can have the love that you need and be able to give the love that they need, has much to do with how safe you are as a person. And safety in a relationship, if you want to know what a safe person is, that is a person that is able to practice the love chapter. That's how safe God is with us. We see the love chapter, how he practices that love for us every day. That makes God so safe. That he trusts us, he believes in us, he has patience, he has kindness, he's slow to anger, he's long-suffering. He doesn't rejoice when bad things happen to us. He says his love never fails. So we want to strengthen our relationship with ourselves, with God, with others. We're practicing safety. This is Cynthia Hyatt. 
with Conversations with Cynthia, visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com and come back in the next segment as we talk more about why God wants me in relationship. Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're joining me. This is our last segment as we finish up this episode on why God wants us in relationship. And so what we want to think about more than anything is that there's an instinctual longing that we are that is created within us because we are created in his image for relationship. This is why we cannot seem to walk away. We say we're going to, we say we're never going to do relationship, and then yet again, we're out there trying all over again. So in this whole process of relationship, and if you're in the dating process, which is kind of what we're focusing on in this, this series, the last four or five weeks, if you're in that dating process, it's imperative that you work on your relationship with yourself and with God in order to create the resiliency that you need and the wisdom that you need as you are in that dating process, dating all these different people, being open to those new relationships, being willing to do that. You want to make sure that you are very well grounded in your relationship with yourself and with God. And so let's look at this very clearly. Why does God want me in relationship? Because this helps me when I'm in relationships that are maybe not very effective, that are maybe painful, that uh, maybe are not going in the direction that I was hoping they would go in, or that maybe aren't thriving. I can remind myself as to why God wants me in relationships. And so whether the relationship is good or bad, they still can be beneficial. So one of the, the first reasons we look at is why God wants us in relationship. We see this in, in Ephesians 15.1, that if we're not in relationship, we grow wild. And, and John 15, 1, this is the vine and the branches. And he says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So if I am not connected to people and in relationship, I'm going to grow wild. This next verse I love, it's that Proverbs 27, 17, and it says, iron sharpens iron as so as one person sharpens another. So I get the pruning process if I'm connected to the vine, if I'm a part of that body. And I also want to think about this whole idea of ironing, sharpening iron, and, and I, I love this concept. This goes back to, uh, I believe, Roman times, and as they made swords and they were sharpening the swords, and, and as they would rub those swords, those blades against one another, the more rust, the more impurity that was on the blade, the more sparks would fly as they were being rubbed up against one another. And so the, the, the sharpening iron, you know, as iron sharpens iron, that is about smoothing down that blade so that it is very, very effective in what it does. And so it's kind of a modern-day version of that would be Velcro. We want to say, I, I say to clients, you don't want to be a walking piece of Velcro. We want to smooth it down, smooth it down, so you don't snag on everything. So this is why God wants us in relationship. It sharpens me. It prunes me. He also wants us in relationship for encouragement. And we see this in he- Hebrews 10.25. It says, so let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. 
Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He's always keeping his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging, love, and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. So this is for encouragement. He wants us to be a part of the body, to not forsake meeting together. That's being together. It isn't just doing a worship service with other believers. It's interacting in community. Because this is where we are getting encouragement to continue to fight the good fight, to continue to pursue Christ, to continue to walk in forgiveness, to continue to pursue holiness. This is how we do this is with others. And so it's imperative that we are part of that body. He also wants us in relationship to receive comfort. And this is 2 Corinthians 1. 3 through 7, and it says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord and Jesus um, Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God and from others. So one of the things we need is that God can be very comforting to us through his word, through his presence, But we often need that human comfort. And this is one of the things that Jesus was asking his disciples for when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was wanting some human comfort. So we have another. For meaning and purpose. God wants us in relationship. It helps us with meaning and purpose. And so we see this also when we're looking at this whole idea of Jeremiah 29, 11, where he says, I know what I'm doing. I have it planned out, plans to take care of you, not to abandon you, plans to give you hope and for your future. And so the plans that God has for us are very relational. And one of the ways we find our own calling is by being involved with others, being involved with people, and finding out why am I here? What's the point? So that God can say, I do know what I'm doing. I have it planned out. I have an idea to give you future and to give you hope, and I'm not going to abandon you in the process. He also wants us in relationship because it multiplies ourselves. And this is seen in Ecclesiastes 4.9. And it says, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. And how many of you have recognized this? That when you do something with someone, it goes a lot faster. It's a lot more effective. Now, I am always assuming that you're in relationship with someone that is healthier. Because sometimes when we're working with people, it becomes more complicated, which is one of the reasons, obviously, we want all of us in relationship. So we do that refining process so that two actually are better than one. We also see that there are strength in numbers. And we see that in Ecclesiastes. Again, chapter four, verses 11 and 12. And it says, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. But a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I think in the Message Bible it says it's not quickly snapped. And so there is strength that comes with connecting with others. And the hard part that we have as humans, what if we don't have that connection? What if we are alone? And we're saying, okay, God, you're telling me that two are better than one. 
you're telling me that how can I keep warm if I'm alone? How, how can I not be overpowered because I don't have someone defending me? And so it's important that we say to God, you know what, Lord, until you are presenting that person to me, I'm doing that for me and I'm receiving that from you. And I'm opening myself up to be with the people that you bring into my life, regardless of how imperfect they are. So we have another reason why God wants us in relationship. It helps us with this connection and loneliness. And I love this, this, um, this verse in Psalm 68.6. It says, God sets the lonely in families. And I love that, that I, I have hung on to that for years. I've been single the majority of my adult life. And so I had many friends, and, and I really belonged to so many people, so many families, but I never really had my own. So I belonged to everybody, but I, but I belonged to no one. So I had families I was very much a part of and included in, but I didn't have my own family. And so in that process, I had to continue to hold on to that hope that God says he puts the lonely in families. And so the families that he gave me helped with that loneliness before he gave me my own husband. And so whether or not that ever happened, whether or not I was ever going to have that relationship and become married sometime, God put me in all these different families and he set me in those relationships to help with that loneliness. So many times we have to be willing to say, you know what, God, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And so, Lord, I'm going to accept what you are providing for me, even though that may not be the exact way I would like it. I'm going to take advantage of what you're offering me. And if you're offering me friendships and groups and families for me to be involved in and a part of, I'm going to really do my part of that relationship. So he also knows that we need support. And we see this in Matthew 26 verse 36 to 31, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and verse 38 is when Jesus said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so what God is doing is he's saying we are to be supporting one another in our dark hours. That's why God wants us in relationship. We can't do that well on our own. And if God is not offering that, then we're trusting God's wisdom that He's saying, I'm not finding a safe enough person for you. So you're better doing it with me. Because it's better only with God and you when there's safety than if you try to add another person that will end up bringing you harm. So we're trusting God when when we're saying, I'm needing this, this support. And with Jesus, they fell asleep on him. And so even though they should have been there, could have been there, would have been there, Jesus asked them to be there. They still let him down. And God still had to to depend on himself and his father. So he still had to go back to relationship with himself, relationship with God, because the relationship of people were letting him down. So we have a very, another very important one. And, And relationship serves as a reflection of ourself. And we see this in John 831 832, where it says, Jesus turned to the Jews who claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you will be my disciples for sure. Then you will experience yourselves the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he's saying 
to the people that claimed to believe in him. When you stick with this process, I'm telling you that you are my disciples for sure. You will then experience yourselves the truth, and that truth will set you free. He also wants us in relationship to know God and to have peace. And this is a, this is a very important process, to be healed. And we see this in, in James um, 5.16, where it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And lastly, he commands us to relate. And we see that in Hebrews 10.25 where we are not giving up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another the more that you see the day approaching. So God is commanding us to be in relationship. So we want to think about this whole idea of relationship, why God wants us in relationship, and that is to become more like him. There is no other way. We want to remember that love is unconditional, and intimacy is earned. You want to earn trust and intimacy with the people in your life. You want to earn intimacy and trust with yourself. And always remembering that love is unconditional. That doesn't mean that we're friends with everybody. It means that intimacy is earned, but we have a foundational truth of unconditional love. So I want you to consider these questions that I'm going to ask you as we end. I want you to say, do you... Trust God with your relationships. Do you trust him with those? Do you believe that you need relationship with people in order to honor God and grow in relationship with him? Do you believe that? And so you saw all these reasons illustrating why God wants you in relationship. What are the ones that you're resisting? Are you, are you saying to God, I only want it this way? What are you resisting? And where is God asking you to grow and change? and repent in any of the current relationships you have. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a great week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.